Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and every week I lead you through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond, bringing you stories of the amazing people in and around the barbecue culture. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. I appreciate the gift of your time, and I hope I can entertain you for a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. And now, on with this week's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 117 of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm sure most of you have watched the new Chef's Table Barbecue series on Netflix. The series consists of four amazingly produced episodes featuring barbecue cooks from around the globe. I really enjoyed the shows and thought it would be great to have a discussion about them for the podcast. So this week and next, I'm really excited to welcome Peter Zakowski from Pitt County Barbecue in Edmonton, Yoni Levin, host of the Best Barbecue Show out of Austin, Texas, and the Moose Shed Barbecue's Luke Donald from Canmore, Alberta. We had a really good uh, conversation about the show episodes, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did being part of the discussion. Do you have a barbecue or cooking product you'd like me to review and talk about on the show? I'm looking for folks with rubs, sauces, gadgets, and more that would like to be part of a new product review feature on the podcast. Please get in contact with me if you're interested via social media or by email at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by the inaugural YEG PodFest, presented by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's nonfiction festival. Running October 1st through 3rd, the festival will be held entirely online this year, so anyone can experience it. Events will include master classes with experts, panel discussions, feature interviews, and more. Some of the APN podcasters will be part of these events, along with guests from around the world. Some highlights are kicking off the festival on October 1st, the headline event with Jad Abumrad of Radio Lab and Dolly Parton's America. If you're interested in a masterclass, check out How to Sell a Podcast to Your Boss with the APN's Karen Undland and Kyle Marshall. All events are free to register with donations gratefully accepted. To check out the full lineup, head to yegpodfest.ca. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. Uh, really excited about this one. Uh, I'm sure most of you have seen the uh, Chef's Table Barbecue series on Netflix and uh, have a panel of guests here tonight to uh, to talk about it. So, uh, Let's get rolling uh, with some introductions. First up, uh, close by me from Camera Canmore, Alberta. Sorry, we've got Luke Donald. Luke, uh, how you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. Yourself? Uh, excellent. Uh, welcome back to the show for Luke, and yeah. uh, one other guest has been on before. So, uh, Luke, maybe just remind folks a little bit about uh, uh, what you're doing up there in Canmore. Uh, well, last time I was on your podcast, I think it was about a year ago, a year in March. Yeah. Um, and we, that was the first time we kind of met. Uh, yeah. What I'm basically trying to do is I'm from England, as you can probably tell by my accent. So I'm uh, trying to set up a catering business here in Canada. I had one back in the UK, uh, right. sold that, and then uh, made the jump across the pond. And now I'm here trying to do it again. So Awesome. And then from uh, just a little up the highway uh, from me in Edmonton, Alberta, we got Peter Zakuski, uh, Pitt County Barbecue. Peter, wel- also welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, nice being back on. Uh, just remind folks a little bit about what uh, what Pitt County's doing. 
so Pitt County, we are a North Carolina style whole hog barbecue catering company. Uh, we designed a pit for ourselves this past year and have been just doing catering events and uh, private events through through everything going on. So it's been good making the best of it. Yeah, what COVID has to offer, right? Exactly. And then uh, first time on the show from Austin, Texas, uh, Yoni Levin? Levin? Levin. Levin? But I'm not leaving. Should have asked that before we started. But, uh, it looks like he's chowing down on some barbecue or something. Yeah, I, got there. Some, uh, I got some Terry Black's barbecue here. Very nice. Oh, on my keyboard. Nice. Um, my favorite green beans. Beauty. I got, I got, a, I got a, a strong urge right before uh, I turned on the live stream, and they're right down the hill. So. Hey, perfect. Yeah, and so, uh, Yoni, you're the host of the Best Barbecue Show uh, podcast. So, talk a little bit about what uh, what you got going on there. Yeah, so I travel around right now, Texas, obviously. But um, last year, I got to do a little bit of travel from coast to coast, telling the story of Texas barbecue. Uh, as you can see from the first episode of uh, this chef's table, Texas mm. barbecue is starting to take over the world. Uh, you can That's find right. it in L.A., Portland, the Philippines, and even uh, Guatemala. Yep. And I tell the stories. Awesome. Yeah, you've uh I have been a listener since day 1 and uh hey, thank you. Uh it's been some uh been great listening to your travels and uh, adventures around uh around the states there yeah. so it's I awesome. need to get a little further north, you know. Yeah, come on and see us, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll show you around. You're always welcome here. <laughs> yeah. I had a prairie um prairie at a prairie barbecue. Yeah, he was yeah. right when you're at the yeah Rob at the Jack. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yep, yeah. Rob's uh, was a one-time sponsor of this show, and there you uh, go. I'll, I'll be seeing him this weekend. We're actually having a, a KCBS uh, competition here in Calgary this weekend. So cool. How's the uh, weather Rob's up there? Is it getting cold yet? Not quite yet. No, it's actually pretty decent. So nice. Glad to hear it. Yeah, not uh, Texas weather, but uh, <laughs> we're doing okay. It's trying. It's trying. We're in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, we were probably pretty close to that today, actually. So, right it's around been, mid sixties, we we've had like three hurricanes this year. Yeah, Jeez. it's crazy. Yeah, we've got uh, my work. We've got an office in Houston, so kind of keep uh, keep up to date on all that uh, goings on. So, so let's jump into the uh, the show here, and I guess we'll start with the uh, in order uh, the Tootsie Tominitz episode, Snow's Barbecue. Uh, right. Yoni's got the T shirt uh, proudly there, and when uh, I guess it was actually Peter that kind of messaged me about the the series, asking me what I thought, and planted the seed to put this kind of show together. And when I started thinking about somebody who knows uh, who knows snows and could speak to it, uh, Yoni, uh, you were the first that popped to mind. So um, I appreciate that. Let's. Uh, I guess maybe you could lead off the discussion about the the Tootsie episode with uh, some of your thoughts uh, on that on the show, and obviously with your insight into. Uh, into the operation there at snows. Well, I can tell you one thing for sure is that Miss Tootsie was not, you know, a long time ago was not planning on becoming a famous barbecue cook, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and if you watch her today, she still loves the hard work, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I've been going to snows almost every Saturday since 2017. And I've seen her get a knee surgery where she barely took two weeks off. And one of the weeks she had to come, but they made her sit in a chair, but she really (laughs) wanted to work. Yep. Um, and she's just a legend out there and, uh, it's, it's fun to see the rest of the world kind of catching up with all these, mm-hmm. you know, big Texas names. Now, obviously the biggest thing that they've been in 
until Netflix was like Texas Monthly, which right. you know, it has a big audience, but I don't think it's as big as uh, as Netflix. Yeah, certainly a different uh, a different scope. Uh, I know uh, two three years ago I was down there and got the chance to head over there on a Saturday morning and got the uh, my obligatory picture with Tootsie and uh, uh, it was just uh, it's an amazing experience being there. Uh, the, the day I was there, Daniel Vaughn, you mentioned Texas Monthly, was in line in front of me, and he was there with Billy Durney from uh, New York, and uh, Wayne Muller was there, uh, Miguel from Valentino's. Yeah, I was, was there that day, too. Yeah, there you go. So I remember. That was the first day I ever met Billy Durney. Oh, there you go. Yeah, just uh, yeah, kind of a who's who, you know? It's yeah. uh, pretty amazing. I, I sent him the picture the other day because he's lost so much weight. I was like, hey, remember this? Yeah. <laughs> he was well, like, I don't uh, even recognize that guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's dropped a ton. Yeah, he's done well. Yeah. Yep. Now, good. Peter, have you been uh, have you been to snows? I haven't been to snows. Uh, last time I was down that way, I I made it to Salt Lake and and Stubbs, but that was about it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, two good choices. Luke, uh, yeah, absolutely. Luke, uh, some of your thoughts on that episode? Uh, I was just completely amazed by. Um, Tootsie, I just couldn't believe that an 85 year old woman was doing what she was doing or is doing what she's doing. I just, I think it's insane that she's, uh, you know, she's able to to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it shows that hard work and that farm life that, that she's used to, you know, it keeps you young in a way. And, uh, you know, I take my hat off to her. I think it's, it's awesome what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And just, to, I think, uh, her humility to me really shone through yeah. some of the things she said. Yeah. I, I'm happy that I made them happy was one yeah. of the, one of the lines that really stood out to me, just how uh, humble she is uh, yeah, with everything that's come her way. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I've, sorry, I would say, unfortunately I've not managed to get down that way, uh, but it's mm-hmm. certainly on my list. I'd love to, uh, to head out to Texas and uh, try some of the barbecue down there. And snows is definitely huh. going to be uh, one that's on the, they are shipping. I don't know if they'll go all the way to oh, really? where y'all are at, but yeah, they're they're I'm literally uh, their shipping is selling out like in yeah. thirty minutes. Wow! I'm trying to figure That's out a wild. way to get it shipped to. <laughs> trying to figure out a way to get it shipped to my Houston office and have one of my trucks bring it up for me. See if we can make that up. <laughs> well, the three of us just have to get together in Calgary. We'll get Yanni to send up. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you uh, yeah, if you're uh, if you know someone in Houston, we can talk offline about. Maybe I can help you get one. Yeah. Well, uh, that's been uh, in the back of my mind. Hey, Houston's not that far. No, not at all. I've yeah. driven the uh, driven the Houston to Austin. So, well, so and bad. if you watch the show, uh, one thing I would take note of is if you want to really do some research on Miss Tootsie, uh, go see her. You know, the Yeti documentary, maybe like the Southern mm-hmm. Living. These little plugs. She doesn't yeah. say much in the Yeti doc. I think she has two sentences. They just show her working. Yeah, yeah. and that's really how she is. You know, spending over a hundred Saturdays there. We, I mean, we've had some conversations, but it, she's not always that chatty. She's more like, "Get out of my yeah. way! I'm working." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's you get takes the pictures and gets back to work, right? <laughs> she loves taking pictures. Yep. Well, and that that actually, I did find that part interesting. How they talked about kind of that transition for her, and it was after her husband and uh, and her son died that she kind of embraced that part of it, right? The uh, the celebrity part of it. So, well, and it, she'd already been cooking a lot, but it kind of, mm. it, it, it left less barriers. You know, we've gone from this point where, you know, everyone at snows 
cooks, but you know, Miss Tootsie, no one really knew they like the locals knew who she was, but no one really right. paid attention. And all of a sudden it's like, I mean, Miss Tootsie, it works hard, but she doesn't do everything. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, yeah. it's fun because we're all, you know, no one's, no one's like mad that she's getting all the attention, but it's just funny to me because I talk to people and they think that she cooks by herself for like 300 people, which <laughs> I think any restaurant has one no. person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I love the mythology and the legends that are being like passed down. People send me all kinds of crazy questions about snows. It's, I'm like an unofficial ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's a, it's a good story, right? That's oh, a great story. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. Speaking you, of that, uh, go ahead, Naomi. Uh, I mean that, that shot of her wiping her face with the towel. That's yeah. she's constantly, I mean, it's, and, and when they shot it, it was what, that was like a little cooler weather, but I mean, I was there over the summer um, yeah. while they were shipping and she's pouring sweat, it's, you know, 102 degrees under the, the, um, roof there where all the yep. pits are and she's just shoveling coals and being herself. Yep. Yeah. And you, yeah. Speaking of the others there, uh, uh, clay is kind of the, I guess the next, uh, main cook, right? Yeah. Clay You've does a lot of the know. cooking. Clay's yep. a good friend of mine, and he's... Uh, yeah, you've gotten to know him pretty well, it sounds like. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, Clay was the first one that noticed that I was coming every Saturday. Right. And he was like, weren't you here last week and the week before? And so <laughs> we made we made fast we... friends, and I have always yep. bugged him about... Because I had done... I had been obsessed with Texas barbecue for years before I discovered Snows, so... But I hadn't seen a lot of the Texas crutch or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the way they wrap, the way they serve, you know, a lot... Most places that serve barbecue they separate the point and the flat and then they turn the point 90 degrees they just cut the whole brisket at a 45 with an electric knife oh okay so there's so many unique details they serve yeah. basically right off the pit they let them cool they let the briskets and things cool a little bit but they're you're getting it right off the pit whereas a lot of places are using alta shams and warmers yeah so it snows you're really getting straight off the pit straight and and it just goes till it's gone i mean I'm worried about the next time they open because there's going to be a thousand people. Yeah, it'll be a nut, serve uh, two or three hundred. Yeah, it'll be a zoo. Yeah, I guess when you open at eight a.m., there's not a lot of time for resting. Eh? You got to start. You, you guys know you got to start the day before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a labor of love, definitely. Uh, indeed, uh, indeed, and, and we all love it. Yep. Absolutely, nothing better. Uh, Peter, any uh, any thoughts on the uh, on the Tootsie uh, episode? It really reminded me of oddly enough to kind of go a little bit of a sidetrack but of steve grady in in north carolina uh when i was down there he was 84 um him and his wife were operating and it reminded me of him because the way that i took tootsie was just finding that sense of purpose to keep going and keep driving and i had the privilege of spending some time with Mr. Grady and he he referred to him always changing his sweet potato pie to try and get it as close to his mom's because he said his dad said you always got to keep doing if you don't want to die and he said he wasn't ready to die yet and it was oddly humbling for somebody who's staying up through the night cooking barbecue at 84 just just like Tootsie's doing and it was very reminiscent of of finding that purpose and finding that drive and that service of others, mm-hmm. how you guys already spoke of, of the comment of Tootsie just really wanting to help people enjoy 
what she's putting on a plate. Yeah. Where is this 84-year-old pitmaster? Uh, it's Grady's. It's in Dudley, North Carolina. So it's roughly about 35 minutes, uh, slight northwest of Kinston, North Carolina. Um, and he's one of the few pitmasters uh, in North Carolina that is an African-American-owned uh, wood-fired barbecue pit between him and his wife. And it's phenomenal. Everything from their nice. sweet potato pie to everything else was just outstanding. And I think I think there are a lot more older, you know, family-run businesses like this that have this exact situation. And I think it's really interesting uh, that you know this one got chosen. But there's so many examples of this, and I'm taking yeah. notes because there's just so many good stories in barbecue. Yeah, I think yeah. now, now after this, ep- well, after certainly the episode with Tootsie, I think what's going to happen now is there's going to be lots of these, uh, these smokehouses that are going to start coming out of the woodwork, and you're going to be finding, uh, like what you said, Peter, you're going to be finding these old school pitmasters that are you know well into their 70s and 80s that have been doing it their entire lives, and I think they're going to mm-hmm. be start start to become more prevalent now. Yeah, I guess uh, getting named number one in Texas doesn't hurt with uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> on the publicity side, right? So, yeah. Well, they say in Lee County, they say if it's the best in Texas, that means it's the best in the world. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we go big in Texas. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Any other uh, last comments on the Tootsie episode before we uh, move on? It's nice to see and maybe it's a question just for for more so a texas style of barbecue and yanni might be able to speak on this the whole the waiting in line with the cases and coolers of beer and like franklin's and so many other places that it's so much more part of the culture where i've done the majority of my barbecue r&d in carolina and even though you can wait in line it doesn't seem to have that type of community behind it in that regard um do you think that's something specifically regionalized to, to Texas or is it just kind of what's happening? Uh, well, I think that Texans understand the work that goes behind it, you know, and Texas barbecue especially is a very long process with the big briskets that we get. Um, a lot of times they're cooking ribs, sausage, a lot of things right up until. So it's part of that kind of enticement to just sit there and you get to smell the smells and, uh, it's it's funny because I could tell you 10 places that are as good as all the places people wait in line and there's no line. So a yeah. lot of times the place develops a culture of a line. There's just a whole that different lines have different cultures. And, that, you know, there's some of us who are laughing all the way to the bank and going to the place that doesn't have a line. that's just as good. <laughs> but it's hard to be on the cusp. You know, we're, we're on the pulse, me and some of the guys. And uh, yeah. But, you know, the Franklin line is I, I like I've literally just been walking by and seen a friend in the Franklin line and end up hanging out for an hour talking to people. And it's a there's really nothing but friends in line for barbecue. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's part of it is people they're like, oh, we got to wait in line. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, everyone's nice. Oh, that yep. created beers with that guy. Oh, OK, yep. <laughs> I get why you guys do this. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes no, a, I remember. Yeah, becomes the a I was uh, it is absolutely that. The, my visit to Franklin, I was second in line, and uh, people with coolers of beer and Bloody Marys and playing cards. It, it's it's yeah, it's an event. There's no way yeah. we could 
do that in Canmore. No, not so much. <laughs> really anywhere in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, yeah. it's traveling with the barbecue. So you, you see places in London, you see places, um, uh, Heritage Barbecue just opened up in uh, San Juan Capistrano. And they actually, mm. the city had to come down and tell people to stop uh, drinking beer in line because it's actually illegal oh, really? to be on the sidewalk drinking. So yeah. there's like a whole underground, you know, there's like yeah. the rules that they put up, like no drinking. And then there's the like, well, if it's in a container, you know, if you know how to sneak it in, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty funny situation. And yeah. I like seeing Texas kind of shaking up the rest of the world. This episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you switch retailers, nothing changes about the delivery of your electricity and or natural gas to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms for leaving. If you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. The choice is yours, and there's a better deal available to you. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Awesome. Let's uh, move on here. The next episode in the series uh, was the uh, Lennox Hasty episode uh, from Sydney, Australia. And I'm going to defer to Luke a little bit here because you had kind of a neat, uh, I guess it was really quite a emotional and moving post that you put out. And, yeah. Uh, Kind of had a neat reaction, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, it's actually very unusual for me to to do something like that. So I'm I'm not really that kind of person where I kind of put my heart on my sleeve. But I mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I watched I've watched all the episodes of Chef Table Barbecue, and this one just it just blew me away. I was completely captivated from the minute it started and mm-hmm. you know to the to the minute it ended, and I just felt compelled to basically write that post to basically just share my enthusiasm and the connection that I had with that particular episode. And, you know, watching, watching Lennox do what he, what he does, I was just blown away. And something that I've always wanted to aspire to is I've, as I said in the post, I've never really um, kind of been in the kitchen. I've, I've always shied away from a life in the kitchen. And that was purely because I enjoy cooking so much that I never wanted it to become a job and it to become something that I disliked. Uh, but after watching that, I kind of reflected a bit on my on my own life and thinking, damn, maybe I that should have done something. I mean, getting to his level, not many people do. So mm-hmm. whether I'd get to that that level or not, probably not, you know. But just to just to sit there and watch what he was doing was it was like my mind or my imagination was on TV and it's something that I've always tried to aspire to is to kind of have that barbecue uh, style cooking or live fire cooking, but sprinkle a bit of finesse over the top. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times people are a bit afraid of cooking with fire or afraid of, you know, the charcoal barbecues and stuff because they, they, they don't quite understand what they're doing or they just, they're not used to that kind of thing. They're used to the gas where it's, you know, a knob you can turn it up and down it's very controllable with the fire like Lennox says you know you're not in control you're kind of yeah. doing what the fire wants you to do and you're kind of on the sidelines trying to figure it out as you go but I just thought that you know the the finesse that he had with everything that he does and the way he cooks I, I just found it incredible yeah 
And then he uh, he replied to your post, right? Yes. On Facebook, was it? Or? Yeah, he did. It was on Instagram, actually. Instagram, so, yeah. So uh, I, I, I tagged him in it, just you know, yeah. thinking that he would never... Of course, you uh, should. Yeah, yeah, thinking that he would never read it. And he actually read it and, and replied. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe this. So, so that gave me a lot of inspiration. And since watching that show, the whole show, to be honest, um, for someone who's so young in the in the barbecue game you know that's really kind of pushed me and uh, give me a lot of inspiration and boosted my own confidence as well because again as i mentioned in the post and i think we're all guilty of this you know whenever you cook anything you are your biggest critic it's never good enough of course it's, it's never yeah. it's never a, yep. it's never how you wanted it to be when it comes out even if everyone there is telling you it's amazing it's the best thing they've eaten blah 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 you know yourself when you when you look at it, you lift that lid off or you unwrap the tinfoil or whatever it is and you go, it's not right, it's not right. And you know straight away. So yeah. watching him uh, and, and listening to him, it did actually sort of give me that confidence boost as well to think, you know what, don't be so hard on yourself. Just keep doing what you're doing and uh, let's see what happens. Awesome. So we'll be seeing some live fire uh restaurant before too long in canmore there that's that's gonna be the uh the long-term goal yeah if i can if i can get permits to do it because yep. <laughs> canmore they like a permit so yes indeed um but yeah that's that's certainly something that if if i can achieve um if i can achieve that kind of goal where i can get a restaurant or something and start cooking yep. with live fire absolutely i'll be all you over just need to get out of that condo so you can practice at <laughs> I home know, i know <laughs> yoni we were chatting before you joined in uh Luke lives in a condo and recently had a, another tenant complain about his charcoal barbecue. So he's had to switch yeah. to just gas for the last little while. So. Yeah, I was just saying, I, I, I try and sneak a, I try and sneak a cook on the charcoal every so often, but she, uh, she's been there more often than not. So you <laughs> <laughs> just got to share. Yeah, yeah. As soon as she smells it, I already have a steak. And not well, this, is what, right. <laughs> this is what I was saying. I said I'd have been round with the bears. So what you cooking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, there's guys actually in Houston, I won't say who, uh, but they had a 500-gallon smoker craned in over power lines, <laughs> and it's right in their front yard, and their front yard is literally about two smokers wide, so it's half taken up with the smoker, wow. and they cook all the time. They throw parties, and, uh, you know, it's just That's awesome. You don't even see You might see a little bit of the smokestack over the bushes, but as soon as you walk yeah. through their gate, it's the whole front yard. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Well, well hidden. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a little different culture down there than we've got up here. It's uh, accepted a little more of that sort of thing there than we have here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's always a challenge. Like the place yeah. I bought barbecue from actually has to run all their smoke through scrubbers. So yes. Yeah. I've heard you. Ta- I've heard you talking about that. So. Yeah, I think. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the geography up here, Yoni, but Canmore. Do you know? Have you heard of Banff? Yeah. Uh, Canmore is a, a small city just on the outskirts of the of the park, so it's right uh, right in the mountains. So yeah, Luke lives in uh, I'd say one of the nicest places I've ever seen. So. Yeah, it's certainly uh, certainly a beautiful place. I'm very fortunate to uh, to be living here. Certainly a lot yeah. different from Manchester, where I'm from originally. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like you need you need to spread out like an American living in yeah. a little condo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's, the problem is it's so expensive here as well. So it's, it's, you're, putting, yeah. you're paying for the mountain views. That's the yeah, that uh, the can the Canmore tax we call it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know it. Yeah. So back to the uh, Lennox Hasty episode. Just to, uh, and you touched on it, Luke. His attention to detail was 
uh, really blew me away in the the uh, the dry aging of the beef up oh. to up to up to two hundred yeah. days, and uh, painting the ends with the fat to slow the decomp- decomposition. I thought that was just amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I, you know, again, like with the uh, the guy that was talking on the show, and he was saying, you know, most people will age the uh, the beef yeah. for thirty days. Some extremists go to ninety days. And then you're waiting for him to say he's going to, oh, you know, 150 days or something. Yeah. It's like 200 days. Yeah. How is that even possible? You know. And then you see them, like you say, painting the uh, the outside of the the meat yeah. with the the rendered fat. Yeah, that's he's uh, cooking with fire, but the whole all his cooking is just kind of on another level, right? Yeah. One thing that really kind of interested me, and I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think of the statement. Because it's a it's a pretty bold statement to to make, but he he says that if you have grill marks on your meat, mm-hmm. that's a sign of complete failure. Yeah, I uh, noticed that. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty big thing to say. <laughs> yeah. So what what do you guys think of that? I mean, I like to throw steaks into coals after I slow smoke them, so I get all kinds of marks on my steaks. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I understand that if you look at I mean, if you watch this episode, Chef's Table makes everything sexy, but yeah, his episode yeah. is extra sexy. Yeah. yeah. Just every little detail, the painting, every, you know, he's, and, and you know, from from hanging out at a lot of barbecue joints while they're shooting, I know that some of this he does, some of it is, uh, you know, a little force on them, but it's like mm. everything, he cuts it open, takes a taste, uh, uh, you know, it's a much more chefy version. But, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I'd cook the shit out of that kitchen. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it could be something said too, where he might just be specifically talking about his steak and the fact that, like, with him dry aging it so much, that if he were to have those grill marks and those char components, it would just take away from the flavor that he's trying to accomplish by aging it that way and cooking it. So it could be yeah. seen as that way, or he might just be making a blanket statement that anything with char marks on it is is just wrong but yeah yeah he might just be trying to execute that flavor profile that he's trying to develop by the aging yeah i, do, I certainly don't have a problem with char marks no. yeah. yeah and i Teach mean it's their own right it's uh you know he throws a bunch of stuff on the coals and all that yeah. and i don't know i'm not even sure a 200 day dry age steak would be good i've never really liked anything past 30 days so i'm not yeah. It might be an emperor's new clothes type thing where everyone's like, this is amazing. Yeah. But really, yeah. they just have no idea what it tastes like because it's yeah. just an yeah. onslaught of fungus. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, and look, what, look what you said. You got half the time um, the steak was being sent back. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, initially, yeah. But yeah, I, I do, thought uh, – uh, go ahead, Yoni. Oh, I do like the open fire. I just, uh, the Harper boys, uh, over in California, they just brought me this little, um, hibachi that I'll show you guys. Oh in a yeah. Second. Oh, nice. But, uh, I, I, I like his style because it's more like when, when people come over, if I'm having a barbecue, I say, bring stuff, whatever, you know, yeah. bring kale, bring whatever we'll, we'll put, we'll put the, we'll cook a pie on the, the smoker who cares, you know? Yeah. And I like yeah. that, that it's harder for a restaurant. But when you can put so much, add the fire to so much stuff, uh, you know, like a, a classic dish in New York is a grilled um, Caesar salad. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's kind of that that's died out a little bit, too. But it, it's cool to see. He's just like, throw it on there, you know, as long as it yeah. won't melt. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, too, outside of barbecue food has always just been about experimentation. Yeah. And I mean, one thing with live fire cooking 
is as long as you're attentive to it, it is in the moment of experimentation of, okay, well, if I put this here and these coals, red coals, white coals, yeah. and playing around with it and, and really figuring out how it all works and just learning and being attentive to those details and helping you refine your process. Yeah. And you learn what really hot fire is besides yeah. just like, you know, fire, fire. But yeah, so yeah, would, would they refer to his oven as the doors of hell or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's got to be 200 degrees in there sometimes. This is yeah, my easy. nice. This is my oh, Harper well. Hibachi. Yeah, little vents underneath. It's ridiculously <laughs> heavy. I like went to yeah. pick up the package today on my porch, <laughs> and I it just didn't move, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> well, and nice. We've been, we've been pretty lucky too in Alberta to have access to some of these live fire cooking restaurants. So even in Edmonton, mm-hmm. for example, within the last year or so, uh, a restaurant called Smoky Bear. Uh, which is just off of what I've opened. So I don't know if it's a grill work setup, um, but they do have a live fire cooking. So pretty much everything that they cook is going on those coals or the grills and they're really utilizing that. Okay. We have woodwork in Edmonton as well. And I know that um, Christina at Bira at the uh, Ritchie market uses a lot of live fire as well just it's nice to see these shell chefs picking up on these techniques to to get that true smoke flavor uh, rather than yeah yeah fancy yeah it's it's a lot of these places are a little bit more fancy um but it is nice to see people experimenting with the live fire cooking in a setting and also um having the cities being willing to have those setups in a building right. too yeah. Is, yeah. is really, really nice to see. Yeah. Well, I, I, Oh, go ahead. I was, was going to say, um, you know, that's something else he was, he, he visited 120 different sites yeah. over, over a period of four years to try and find something that would hold up to, uh, you know, to his way of, or his style of cooking, which again, yeah. I, I found that crazy, you know, it just goes to show that the level of heat that must be they must be exposed to constantly in that kitchen mm. and it's in Australia. Yeah. It's warm <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, to me, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because there are, even in Texas, we have a lot of problems. There's a truth barbecue in Houston has seven vent hoods. Like the whole pit room is just vent hoods and it's a totally yeah. useless system that was put in, for safety, uh, you know, there's guys on the West Coast paying ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to NSF certify their pits, and I think that there's yep. there's a lot of room to grow as far as cities and health departments and and open fireplaces because these are this is just a fire like you'd have in a fireplace. This isn't some raging inferno, and you don't have gas, you don't have the explosive potential of yeah. every other kitchen on that street. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they had a setup like that in. Uh... In Charlotte, North Carolina at Noble Smoke, uh, which is Jim Noble, and it's uh, Texas and North Carolina-style barbecue place. And they had the uh, Western North Carolina-style brick pits, but then they also had the Texas offset smokers. And they had to do, I think they said it was $100,000 per range hood, per offset smoker, and they don't use them. What? But they had to put them in place for for the city yeah. and the regulatory components, but they're the, the smokers themselves are hard piped out of the mm-hmm. restaurant. So those range hoods are only to get any of the smoke or heat or anything 
when you lift the lid. Yeah. Which is wild. And they can actually create a reverse. They'll pull the smoke out of the smoker. They'll create like a vacuum there. When they first set it up, they had to adjust it because you couldn't even open the door in the pit room. They would like suction it shut. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yep. When I was talking to, uh, Chris Jones from Jones barbecue out in Victoria, BC. And when they put uh, he's cooking with offsets and he was able to, you know, convince is the wrong word, but when he was working with the city there, he explained that it's essentially no different than a wood, uh, a wood fired pizza oven. Yeah. And they, uh, they were cool with that. So he was able to permit it. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, cause really it's, it is, there's not a lot of difference, right? So. All the fun workarounds, just educating yeah. the, the city inspectors. Yeah. Yeah, and like you say, Yoni, with the uh, the extraction systems, I mean, surely that's going to affect the draw on your pit as well. So if you've got all the air being sucked out of the room, <clears throat> that's going to have an adverse effect on the actual smokers themselves. Well, and it would it would also suck out all the air conditioning. So it would be 120 degrees in there. They had <laughs> took them a whole summer to figure out how to get it down below 120. Yeah, livable. I mean, uh, you. You know, you saw Miss Tootsie wiping her face. Like, those guys were, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like my old wrestling days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one other uh, comment I thought uh, from the Lennox Hasty episode that uh, he talked about was the uh, the focus on the technique, and he was referring to uh, his time at the Michelin Star restaurant in yeah. France, and that he said everything was about the technique and that the ingredients weren't in the limelight. Yeah. And... Uh, when, when he tasted the food, he he didn't care for it because it was not about the food. It wasn't about the ingredients. It was yeah about all these fancy uh, fancy techniques. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that's well, that's, uh, that's that's it. You know, going down to uh-oh. that that fine dining sort of level, you you've got six. Oh, freeze. Yeah, good. Yoni, you were going to say something while well, uh, Luke is uh, <laughs> frozen uh, there. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, a big thing that I've seen six people placing oh. one. <laughs> Are you back? You're what? back, Luke. We lost you for a minute there. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Carry on anyway. Yeah, what were you going to say? Go ahead, Yoni. Go ahead, Luke. Oh, yeah, so I was just saying, you know, they've got, they've got six chefs um, plating one dish. Mm-hmm. And you know that whole focus, like Lennox says, that entire focus was on how the dish looked and the execution yeah. of the dish, not the actual overall flavor. And you know, for someone to get to that level, which most chefs would uh, could only ever dream of, you know, he's, he got there. And yeah, he still wasn't satisfied. It was like, you yeah, know, this is this is not what I want. And I found mm-hmm. that I also found that quite fascinating as well. That you know. It isn't all about the Michelin stars, and same with that Vic, uh, Victor that he worked yeah. with in Spain. You know, yeah, the Michelin stars are uh, a huge accolade to to uh, to have and achieve, but doesn't necessarily mean you're the best. You know, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, Victor was angry when they uh, when they got <laughs> yeah. the star, right? Yeah, yeah. puts a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, I've, my show's been a big opponent of lists and ranking, so. We're, we're always we're always kind of there, there was just something where you know a, a local foodie or some account was trying to rank or say oh here's nine places choose the three best and i always i always go out of my way to comment like this is dumb you shouldn't <laughs> use barbecue to grow your account stop yeah. hitting 
Well, because it's some strange thing. I mean, like they would never take, you know, other kinds of restaurants and pit them against each other the way they do with barbecue. It's like yeah. everyone thinks it's a competition and, and we're all just cooking it and being friends. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's, the, it, it's really about the community. I mean, that's is, that's absolutely. one thing that a lot of pitmasters say is like, yeah, I'll tell you, like, I think Rodney even says it. It's like, I'll tell you how I do it. And I'll tell you all my secrets, but unless you want to put the work in, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And the way I always say it is I could tell any one of us how I cook my pigs, but it's the seasoning and how I put it on and the weight of my hand, the size of my hand, as crazy as that sounds, but yeah. it's that individuality that brings out those flavors that makes what certain people do unique and brings out those qualities. That's just creates the different approaches that all of us could cook a brisket and all four of them are going to taste different, even if we did it the same. Yep. Yeah. So Peter, before we uh, move on here, I got to ask, and for anyone not watching the video, this won't make sense, but what in the heck have you got hanging behind you there? I've got, are you you drying corn? It is corn. corn. Okay. Um, so it's, uh, you can find grits, um, obviously, but I've been really lucky to work with, uh, Kristen at fifth gen gardens, uh, by Wikaskowin. Um, so it was kind of a little pilot project that I was inspired by via like Anson Mill, Sean Brock type thing, just to try it out. So I bought some corn from her. I dried it out and I milled it and I made flour, grits and cornmeal, and I never tasted anything like it. So okay. then as soon as that happened, I contacted her and I've just been ordering dozens upon dozens every <laughs> week to try and bulk load it so I can mill it and process it for the, uh, for the, for the winter, mm-hmm. but the cornbread I made out of it, as crazy as it sounds, it, it tasted like corn. It tasted like you were biting into a fresh cob of corn. Nice. And as soon as I had that, then I was hooked and I was like, Hey, I've got to, I got to order as much corn as I can from her. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's as good an answer as I could have hoped for to that question. So. <laughs> well, what, one of the things I was going to mention uh, from the Lennox uh, episode is we're not connected enough to our food. And I think it's amazing that you're finding someone local that has better corn because a lot of the vegetables you go to a grocery store, I don't know how it is up there, but down here it's like, should I really be able to buy cauliflower all the time? Like, why yeah, Why yeah. is it always the same thing? And where is yep. the seasonality? Where is the... Yeah. And, and when, when you go to one of these local farms or you order a box and you taste a carrot, you taste... these. They have this depth. They have this... There's a difference. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what allows them to, to, to do things like that is to just... You have such a fresh and a... The, the earth is better underneath it. You know, they're not using chemicals. They're using old methods to you know like dan brown the third plate uh to really cultivate the land to cultivate better ingredients better dirt and then you have this thing that yeah it just needs salt pepper and heat yeah done and that's that's, i mean when you get a good product that's all you need and like you're saying too from the grocery stores the duration of having something like this corn or working with even a good farmer for pigs or cows it's the fact that you're actually getting it within days of it being either slaughtered or picked or harvested and it's a better product because the the carbohydrates aren't working the sugars aren't breaking down as it's sitting there for months at a time you're getting it within days and the quality speaks for itself yep yeah absolutely 
That is a wrap, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you tuning in. Huge thanks to Luke, Peter, and Yoni for the great discussion. And tune in next week for the second half of our talk about Chef's Table Barbecue. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Kids are all back to school here in Alberta, either in class or virtually, so this week our APN member shout-out goes to Ed, Conversations About Teaching. Ed is a podcast about the teaching life. That means it is often about teaching, but it is also about the lives that teachers live, their passions and struggles in the classroom and beyond. Visit www.albertapodcastnetwork for links to Ed, Conversations About Teaching, and all the other great shows on the network. See you next week, everybody. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca. Check out the listing of joints on the Barbecue Trail site and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out and show your local barbecue joints some love. Give me a follow on Twitter at eatmorebarbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at eat underscore more underscore barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and is a production of Eat More Barbecue Digital Media. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking. <laughs>